an opportunity for me to learn so then actually I'm able to demand a higher salary where, where I go next or I'm able to say look I have this experience and this is what I achieved. Thanks everyone for joining. We are with Shay Loco, who may not know this, but it's like kind of like one of my uh, Twitter idols. So for me, I have like, I'm like a little bit of like, a, uh, what, what do they call it when you're like sort of starstruck? Um, oh, I, I love the content you put out there and it helps so many people. And I'm kind of like watch you do it little by little. And also, yeah, I feel like there's like a no holds barred approach to like how you do it, which I think is amazing. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. But Shay's uh, really helped a lot of people putting out incredible content. Um, and has had a really cool career, even though she doesn't really talk about it very much. She's <laughs> mo mostly focused on helping other people. But uh, today we're with Shay Loco. Shay, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. I'll go with the job interview first. Uh, job interview, I would say I am a sales and relationship management professional. Um, I basically work in HR tech and I help enterprise level clients hire you know, their best people. So um, I do that now and I've done that for the past, I'm in my third year of doing that. And then before that I had um, a really like fun international career, um, which was more in the sort of finance space. Um, and then, yeah, I worked at sort of a telecommunications company, but actually I started off um, doing a law degree, which we just touched on, which is super, super random. So um, yeah, that's the kind of summary version. It definitely would be more polished in an interview. <laughs> um, and then for, for my friends, I would just say that I am a chatterbox. I would say that, um, I always say as well, like my favorite hobby is bottomless brunch. Like I absolutely love going to brunch. Um, and yeah, I, I think in my life at the moment, my priorities are just my family and my, my friends, basically that's that's pretty much it. Um, and yeah, it, I'm just very kind of happy and excited at the moment because I just do get to speak to people about getting into roles they love. It really is just like pure, I suppose luck and just alignment that I, I managed to like spend my time doing that. So. Yeah, that, that's that's the rough, rough overview. <laughs> so what will be cool about this conversation is a lot of people approach it as luck. And what we end up seeing by the end is it was quite deliberate and there was action. <laughs> so I'm excited to see how we how we uncover that. So I like to kick these off with when was the first time in your life that you really thought about the decisions you were making in the context of a career? Right. I think, you know, my kids think they're going to do something when they grow up. But I wouldn't call that like a real thought. Oh, maybe it is. Who knows? I don't want to dim diminish their their, <laughs> yeah. their beliefs of what they think they're going to do. But like when you were taking deliberate action and saying, okay, this thing is going to shape my career. It could have been like when you chose your major after that. Like when do you feel like that moment was and, and kind of uh, talk us through it a little bit? Good question. So it's it's a strange one so as i mentioned i i have a law degree right and i think maybe similar to your kids maybe what your kids are saying to you now is that you know they've always just had this thing in the back of, the, of their mind that there there was no like deliberate thought towards it it was just like okay you know this is probably the path i'm gonna go down and as a kid or as a child i was very inquisitive i was very like talkative and i was very confident and i felt like and my background is Nigerian and I think any Nigerian will tell you that it's always like, you know, law or doctor. Well, at least it, it used to be. Um, so I think that it was just very kind of was was flowing in that direction up until I actually went and got that degree. Um, but then during the degree, I was trying to get like work experience and things like that. And I, I remember I had a particular piece of work experience and the 
woman I was working alongside, she actually said to me, like, sometimes in law, you'll find that you actually can go a few days without speaking to another person. And that was the moment when I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I, I, this is like, even though I, you know, I got a good grade in my degree, like I, I was that like, good at it, but I didn't it kind of clicked for me then like is that the type of life I want not nothing against any lawyers but it just it just felt like it didn't suit me particularly right so um then alongside my degree um again my friends will tell you that they I've been working long like for as long as I could like I've always liked to just have a job so that I can sort of have that freedom so I actually worked at Vodafone alongside my degree and then and then afterwards so I was just I was literally working in a sales role then and it kind of occurred to me alongside my degree that actually this is something I could do not necessarily in like a retail store but actually just like in a postgraduate scenario I could actually go into like a sales relationship management sort of role so I kind of took that job a bit more seriously and kind of really you know sometimes you can be in a role and you're kind of just like using it for the hours to go past but I was actually like in the role alongside my degree really really just trying to learn um and and pick up all the skills that I could so I think during my degree I think was probably when I was like okay um let me you know consider I almost changed degrees, like maybe into something a bit more businessy, but I was like, no, let me finish this because it still is super valuable. Um, but let me just look a bit more at like a something where I'm kind of working within a sales environment or like a relationship environment or where I'm just creating connections during my day to day, basically. So I think that was really like astute of you because I, I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are facing that same exact situation every day, like, like mid through school. They're like, actually, I don't love this. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that was an, uh, an interesting choice to say, you know, I'm going to finish it because like it in its completion has a value without the completion. It's kind of like a different value. Like people don't just value the skills as like a, a, a list of classes I took. It's like yeah. really what gets valued is the, the certification. Yeah. So let me go ahead and do that to have this kind of like asset um, in my history, but I already know I'm gonna, not going to use it. I'm going to put it away for later, and I'm going to double down on on these activities that I'm really enjoying doing, and I'm going to hone that craft. Yeah. I, I just feel like that that was a very strategic way to go about that. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, looking back now, like I can definitely see that, and I even if I would go back, I probably wouldn't change my degree because it helped me land my immediate role after university. And then, you know, I am kind of where I am today because of it. But yeah, definitely, I, I do appreciate that now. Yeah. And I think also like finishing is a good muscle to build. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a tricky thing. And uh, now sometimes think some people probably take that too far and they finish just because they have to. Mm. But I feel like that was a very good reason. It wasn't just like, oh, I just finished it because I thought I should. It's actually like, quite thoughtful. All right. So you're doing Vodafone, which, you know, some people would be like, wait a second, you're getting a law degree and you're like a retail salesperson. I love that. You're like, I don't care what this is. I'm really focused on the experience and the activities that I'm doing yeah. and really honing in on the ones that charge me up. Um, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to do essentially like deliberate practice to get better at this. So talk us through a little bit about that and how you made what, you know, a lot of people would probably just like write off as a silly retail job as like, no, this is actually an opportunity for me to learn and, and get better at something. Yeah, absolutely. So my time at Vodafone was absolutely amazing. Um, I worked there for a total, I think, of three and a half years during that time. So during my degree, I actually went for a year abroad in Madrid. Um, and when I came back from my year abroad, my <laughs> I messaged my like 
manager and I said, can I come back? I'm back. And he was like, you know, yeah, please, please do come back. It was, I, I really enjoyed my time there. And it, it did, it definitely did teach me a lot. And in even in my role now, I, for example, when I got into my role now, I kept in contact with my manager and he was actually one of my references um, for my current position. So it just goes to show you that like, I always kind of say like every experience is valuable experience. It is just what you kind of put into it and what you, what you focus on getting out of it basically. I think that's so powerful. I think especially right now in the world we're living in where, I don't know, for some reason, everything just becomes like tenuous and very binary, Yeah. you know, so employee-employer relationship. And I think if everyone can kind of embody this, actually, I work for myself regardless, whether I own the business or I'm an employee, yeah. like the, the truth is like it's a relationship with me, then entity, and every action I take is an investment in me. And it feels like whether you knew you were doing that explicitly or not, that that's kind of how you were operating. Yeah, I don't know if I could. That's why I'm like, should I take the credit for that? I don't know if I knew that that's what I was doing at the at the time, <laughs> but it's 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 worked out. Yeah, like, and I, and I think that's okay. I think it can be more removed, right? It doesn't have to be. Not everything has to be so deliberate and so intentional. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it was intentional, maybe not deliberate. I don't know, like the subtle difference between those two words. But you were saying, I'm valuing the experience. Yeah. Um, and I know I have a longer term view that longer-term belief, let's call it, yeah. that this is going to be a good thing. Yeah, um, exactly. I love that. And you weren't – the other thing I would say, you know, not being there and not knowing you that well, but is it doesn't seem like you were too focused on like the immediate results of that. Like you weren't like over-indexing for like a paycheck or, you know, you're like experience, experience. I can afford to do this right now, whatever. I don't know what your situation was, but it's like this just feels like the right thing to be doing and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, that's what was my focus at the time? I think, I mean, I'm always very, very transparent about my journey. And like, even now where I'm kind of a bit more open with sharing like salary and things like that, I would say at the time, for me, like I had come from like a, you know, I come from an extremely working class background. So at the time, I think my mindset was, okay, well, I, I, not that I can't afford to be doing internships, but I do need to do something that's going to be both valuable, and is going to give me some money basically so that was that was my mindset at the time and I think that kind of um yeah ended up be, being just sort of really valuable for my career essentially so you help people do this now we're going to get to that but I think the word value is a really important word and I think oftentimes it gets mixed up or conflated with cash and and you know how we define value for ourselves not and then how the world does it right because then that's kind of like the the social pressures we have around how we think about our value and they have to kind of like justify our value in our existence. But anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, all right. So you're there. You love it. You know, uh, you didn't work there forever. Very few people work anywhere forever anymore. Yeah. Um, and you make a switch. So what what kind of came about? What resulted in that switch? What, you know, where'd you go next? Yeah. So so after that, I mean, after I graduated, um, I actually that's when I started my sort of more international career, um, which for a lot of job seekers, here's where I would give a bit of advice is that just really hold on to and like highlight anything that's unique about your career or like what you might have done. So for me, that was my experience in New York, in Luxembourg and in Dublin. So it's very rare for someone um, as young as I was at that time to be to be able to say, okay, I've worked on Wall Street and I've worked with these large banks. Um, so yeah, that's basically where I jumped into next. It was a role for um, an Irish company. Essentially, I was like a business consultant. Um, 
where I was kind of working on winning contracts and then working with a team to deliver a project, basically. Amazing, amazing, like unique opportunity that I had there, which I would say there's a book I'm reading, which basically talks a lot about like how you you kind of you have to work really hard but also there has to be an alignment with a little bit of luck even though i would never like anybody else to call me lucky but i also do think that you can recognize it like yourself so for example it was actually when i was working in vodafone um i served a young lady like upgrading her phone contract and she was the one that told me about that that job and that opportunity i ended up networking with her and that's actually how i landed the job um so yeah even though like you know in my mind i was like grinding and like hustling and like you know i'm like why do i have to work so hard for all of this like actually if i wasn't in that position i wouldn't then have met that woman i wouldn't have ended up in new york i wouldn't have that wealth of like international experience you know but yeah overall like that experience was great and i i definitely am just like grateful for that time in my career 100 percent. it's uh it's something I, I i like to talk about a lot is a lot of the career advice out there is like you know write your plan where you're gonna be and and i think what it what that kind of line of thinking does is it it closes off like opportunistic approaches to careers. And then I think some other people are too far where they just kind of like keep getting recruited, they keep doing, and then they sort of lack that deliberateness. And so what's that, that right balance between strategic and opportunistic to have a career where you're open to things that present themselves to you, but you somewhat had a hand in what was presented to you by putting yourself in certain situations. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I think about that so much as well at the moment. It's like you definitely need to have that balance of just taking ownership, but also like being like, be like putting in the work so that you're in the position for when the luck comes to you. It's like, okay, I can actually go for this as well. Yeah, I'm a big believer in manufacturing luck. I I mean, look, I mean, there's luck in that, you know, I was born into a situation that gave me like genetic privilege. So I think that you know, obviously like recognizing that, but then there's also, you know, plenty of people that are that don't do anything with it and vice versa. There's people that aren't that do incredible things with it. So I think having that, I think to your point, I think it's a little bit of a cop out to um, just say, oh, I was pure lucky because I think we have to give ourselves credit for some of the effort of things we of do course, yeah. just to kind of like feel good, you know, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> yeah. okay. I think we're also living in a little bit of a funny time with everyone posting everything. And, and there's a lot of people that are struggling, you know, that, results in us kind of like not feeling like allowed to celebrate success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is tough because the truth is, and you, you know, you know this better than I do with how many job seekers you help is that you have to celebrate your successes. Like you need to be able to brag about what you did. And it's hard to do that if you don't genuinely feel good about what you accomplished. Yeah. Job search specifically, I think like celebrate your successes every single step of the way like and and even like even if you're in a job like take note of what you're doing that's good because like you're you're the one that's at the center of your career you're the only one that's like closest to your experience you need to remember that so yeah I don't think like it's tough at the moment for a lot of people but I don't think that should ever take away from like anybody's individual successes yeah so this thing like of just like it's really tricky to be humble and there's like this, this tension between humility, confidence, arrogance. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, what just happened is like the Peloton CEO just got let go. And obviously there's a lot of 
really sad things of people losing their jobs. But yeah. it's funny, like people are really picking on him because he publicly said, like, I'm not good at finance and I don't do this. And look, I have a very hard time believing that that guy is as successful as he is. I don't know him um, <laughs> and actually is as bad as he said he was. Mm. Right. So he was being kind of humble, self-deprecating. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. But unfortunately, most people don't. Right. And I think that's this like very tricky tension with like, you know, you got the Brene Browns of the world telling you to be vulnerable and open, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But like when it comes to career building, most people don't want to take a risk on hiring a person who's kind of like aired their dirty laundry. Yeah. You know, it's like exactly. I can't risk my career on hiring you. Like I need you to be flawless. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. It's tricky. So, okay, so you do the, you, you are at first derivatives doing really cool stuff, getting a lot of international experience, yeah. leaning into sales is what it seems like is kind yeah. of like the track you found that, that you really like. And sales is awesome. I love sales. I love sales as a craft. I think it's a discipline. Um, a lot of people just think like people are natural salespeople. There are some people, but those people don't do sales. They do pitching. I think mm -hmm. salespeople like close contracts. It's a process. So you learned about it. And then, um, and, and then sort of, you know, your time came to an end there and yeah. then what'd you do next? Yeah. So then my, my next stop literally was, um, the company I am at now, um, which is, I say it all the time is my dream job. <laughs> um, and it kind of, I think this was the point where I realized that I've come from a non-traditional background I come from a law degree um and obviously you know I'm not a doctor or a dentist like I didn't need any specific qualifications for a sales career in tech however um I have sort of I haven't had the like direct transition into this career so when I managed to do that um when I managed to negotiate my salary when I managed to find a manager and a team that I absolutely love when I managed to find like a role that I, I was kind of good at but also like challenged me every day that's when I realized okay like I need to kind of tell this story and like I want to make sure that people know that it's possible for them as well um so yeah I'm going into my third year in my current company now um and it's yeah it's a it's a great alignment of my passions so you 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 said something that I think is um language wise foggy but I think helpful for people is in tech and I think right. a lot of people think in tech means you're an engineer, product manager, maybe designer, and like the concentric circles get wider from there. Yeah. You're yeah. in sales in tech. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's a big difference between being sales in healthcare or sales in retail and sort of appending the in tech to the function really unlocks a lot of things. Mm. So how did you think about that? kind of like as you made the transition, did you say, hey, I want to be in tech or did it happen more, you know, sort of organically? How, how talk us through the, the in tech part. Yeah, good question. So actually, um, when, I mean, the way I structure my job search and like the way, the healthy way I kind of see it going is that you should have target companies that you're like, okay, I would like to work for these companies. And then, you know, connect with people in that space and that's how you kind of approach your job search so that's exactly what I did and now actually looking back I think I had I think it was about eight companies and I think seven of those eight were I think 
Amex um, was one of them, but seven of the eight were tech companies. Um, so it really was, I don't know whether to say intentional, but I think what I, what I found is that when I was looking for the things that I wanted from my next company, like the flexibility, the work-life balance, things like that, um, the unlimited BTO, it was, it, it was, um, tech companies that that seem to offer that um so i know it's a you know like the tech sphere is a bit of a buzzword at the minute and it's kind of like oh everyone wants a job in tech but actually you know make a list of your target companies if if those companies fall outside of tech and that then that's completely fine um it's just for me it just so happened that i wanted a role in tech um like it just so happened that the companies i were looking were looking at were sort of tech companies, sorry. Um, and yeah, I did just want that crossover t between like HR technology or just something very, um, yeah, just just in sort of the, the like HR technology or like the jobs space, basically. So how do you think about what a tech company is, right? So I mean, like, you know, every yeah. company these days has an app and you, you made a distinction uh, to say like Amex wasn't one. Mm. Um, wait, look, all these things are like very blurry edges. Yeah. Um, but and now that you've worked with a ton of job seekers and you're sort of helping them categorize the way they think about where they're going. Mm. So for someone listening, how, how would you think about those boundaries you would put around companies that you would call tech companies? Yeah, good question. So I, I mean, this, this, um, you are definitely right. It is definitely very, very blurry. I think what I would say is a differentiation would probably be if the companies like, like wholly, um, they're, main revenue source is from a product or service that is based on mm. their technology. So for example, I know of a company who is Mobile Barber. However, they are the first, I think I would say in the UK, but probably worldwide, that their te technology is based upon like booking in through an app, etc. I would call them a technology company. They're called Trimit. Um, some of the listeners might know it, but for example, that to me would be a technology company. I know of another, they're the first like retailer to basically you can order like African and Caribbean um, food directly to your door. They're based um, on technology. I would also call them a tech company. So with those definitions, I completely understand that there can be like, you know, blurred lines, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I also think it's very much for like the founders and like the, the people, you know, the people making those decisions as to what their company is going to be. I think it's up to them to decide. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the way I look at it. And obviously within technology, there are completely technical roles and they are there are non-technical roles. Like, so you can have like a completely technical role and not working tech, obviously. So yeah, there's, there's lots to it, but that's kind of the way I, I, I see it in my head. Yeah. And I think to help people think through it, like take that, um, that, uh, barber haircutting app, yeah. right? Like they may be employing people to cut the hair today, but that's just, I don't know if they do or they don't. I'm not familiar with the company. Um, probably cause they're in the UK and I'm in Miami. <laughs> um, but that might just be something that they're doing to like bootstrap the bigger platform. Right. And so I think something to help people think about is like, what are, what are the margins? That's why people like tech is right. Cause the delivery of the product tends to be quite inexpensive. They can add more servers, which means they can have higher profit margins, which then means they can pay higher salaries. If that same company needed to employ all those barbers and um, stylists and needed to buy all the materials, well, their margins are probably quite low. So I think as someone thinks about tech and the job search, like look at like the underlining economics of the company, mm -hmm. 
you probably can't get the books of a startup, but just look at like what their ambitions are. If they raised money, um, you know, uh, and so maybe that'll help people a little bit kind of define. I think it's usually around like margin, right? Google mm-hmm. is a tech company. Obviously, they make great margins on their ads. You know, something like American Express, I think, has pretty good margins. But at the end of the day, they're a bank. Yeah. And they use tech to enable the movement of money. Yeah. And so I think, you know, not, not that any company is better or worse, but as people think about moving into tech, I think those are some good parameters to kind of help define yeah, it. Yeah, that's a really um, good point. So you're in this role. You love it. Um, seems like you've sort of ascended in the company. You've moved around a little bit. Help us think a little bit about that and how to – you know, the organization is one thing, but then role and and movement within the organization. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I joined the company and I've just moved position once within the company, but also taken on a leadership role as, as well as my like full-time role. Basically I joined as like an account manager. I'm now a senior account manager. And then the addition additional role sorry that I've taken on is basically an events lead for what we call a job squad so very similar to what I do outside of work it's it's kind of like our charity partners essentially just help them coach job seekers as well so it's just job seekers all over the place essentially um but I would say in terms of ascension I think with my role I had a game plan when I started I knew I wanted to progress quite quickly as soon as I started I found out what I needed to do to to get my next step um I'm currently like in the middle of going like going for the step after my my role I think the way it works at my company and maybe the way it works up probably most is that you know the the first step up let's say it might take you the least amount of time, but then the further along you go, it will take you more and more time. So um, yeah, I'm currently sort of in the, in the middle ground of my next promotion. And I think with each round of progression, I think I, sh- I shared this the other day online, but it's all about maybe, sorry, it's all about acting or behaving in a way that's kind of beyond the functions of your, your core role at the minute. And I think maybe if you're going into leadership, it's about looking at how your team could possibly operate better as a unit. Are there things that are always roadblocks like within your team that you could identify and be like, okay, let me come up with a process to make this better. Let me measure it. And then let me show you the results of what, what I did. So that's kind of you know, like if you're going into like maybe people management or something like that, I think if you're going up a individual contributor route, it's just more like, how have you as a person made your role or have, how have you gotten to your goals in the best and quickest time possible? And, and how can you also, to be honest, share that with the team and, and help other people do the same? So two, two things come to mind. One, I'd love for people to, I would imagine some people already say, well, how do you even know? So then that's my question is, how did you know what was needed for the next role? Like what action, it sounds like you were pretty clear on it. So what actions did you take to figure that out? I think after I did my first three months, I would say I asked the questions. (laughs) I, I asked a lot. So not just of my direct line manager, but it was also from um within my team there's like three individual teams so i also asked one of the other managers on there um in that team and then also somebody that had just done the jump from another team so it's like throughout the job search throughout progression i think that speaking with people as simple as it sounds a lot of people don't it's a cheat sheet right like if somebody's just done the journey before you or if they have like a vested interest in you doing well for example like 
any manager their role is to facilitate your progression throughout a company right um so they obviously have a vested interest in saying look i've taken this person from point a to point b so if you can figure out how like how they would advise you do that i would say that's that's probably the first step and then i think make it clear to as many people as possible that that is what you're looking to do because i think within and it is completely up to you again it's up to like how your organization is structured for example with me i definitely have the privilege of you know being within an organization where it's fine to be quite transparent but i know that there are a lot of toxic organizations out there um but i think I would advise make it clear to other people what you what you want your next moves to be, especially your manager, because if they don't know, they can't help you get there. Say so like speak to people that have done it before and can help you get there and also just make it clear. And even if you're looking for a promotion, I would say I always give this advice to, to you know, to not just spring it on the person um, just because I think organizations need to plan for headcount. They need to plan for budget. I would always say if you're thinking about a promotion you need to give them the time and the space in order for them to make it an easy decision so just say to them look in three months time i want to be at this level what are the three things you need to see from me or what are the three areas of improvement you need to have like you need to see from me and then you literally have a checklist then so you can make your way through that and then it's kind of a bit of a no-brainer that's the approach i take i think with most things i am quite direct so you know <laughs> hopefully it suits most people listening to this so I, I, I love that because I think a lot of people that I've talked to is like, well, they don't publish it anywhere. It's like, yeah, 99% of the companies don't, mm. right? And the thing is you kind of need to put that plan together. And so so that's amazing that you kind of took, you know, uh, more of like a detective approach to it. And you, you ferreted it out. You found out what it was by talking to people, which, you know, almost like you ran internal informational interviews. Um, but what gave you the confidence, or you could say lack of awareness, either is fine, to, to actually have some of these conversations. I think a lot of people are scared, right? I think fear is probably one of the biggest like career um, depressors in the sense that people are like, well, I'm scared to talk to my manager because, you know, that job is their job. And like, I don't want them to know that I'm gunning for their job. Or, you know, the company's not growing. So how could I possibly have this discussion? Or, you know, I think people psych themselves out out of not having those conversations. And then you know, the sort of vicious cycle starts of like being unhappy, they feel unheard, they feel like there's no room for growing, mm -hmm. but maybe it was the whole time and they just didn't ask. So like what, what allowed you to kind of push through and, and have those conversations? Yeah, okay, that's, that's a good point to bonus. I think, um, yeah, lack of confidence is um, something that probably a lot of people deal with and, and it's not just them. I think it's more them battling like, an unhealthy scenario where okay that the only other option is for you to literally take somebody else's job or you know whatever that might look like i definitely think it's worth me pointing out and being transparent that i have a fantastic manager <laughs> um and my next step up wouldn't be like it wouldn't ever result in a situation where i would be you know stepping on anybody's toes or taking somebody else's job of course like with with my next step up i think there will probably be like lots of people interviewing for a couple of the same positions so maybe i i can kind of identify with it there for me in that scenario i think yeah tra transparency is the only way you can go about it to be honest because i think 
the basically the alternative is you kind of stay in an unhappy situation where you're not satisfied and I think what most people tend to do is kind of think about the worst case scenario and just think oh it's not going to go well like there's kind of no hope but you actually don't know until you ask that question and in possibly a smaller company or like a a smaller organization what might happen is that if you have that conversation if you speak um, about the type of things within your current role that you enjoy you actually might be able to carve out a lane of your own. So I think it's always worth having that conversation because the the alternative is is it's kind of just like the it, it, the, the fear of the unknown versus just like being comfortable in in like what you know definitely you're go- you're going to be unhappy with. You might as well just just kind of go for it. I would say. And I think that in a nutshell is has how people think about their careers a lot. At least the people that are generally unhappy with their careers. Yeah, is they feel trapped. Um, but most career decisions are actually, I think, way less big than a lot of people think. Obviously, there's big ones, but most of it's kind of undo, like reversible. Most of it, it, you can be much more iterative. Careers are longer than I think people really Realize. give them credit for. Yeah. Um, so another thing you, you've been doing um, as a big fan is building your personal brand. And, you know, I, I encourage everyone I talk to to build a personal brand. And it's funny, I see people kind of fall into two camps. They feel this like uncomfortable sense of obligation. It's like, why is, why do I have to do that now? And it's like, you don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you do, do it in an excited way. And you now have this sort of asset that you own and you're in complete control of. And so I think you've done a fantastic job of like building out um, an identity and a brand a personal brand. And so what kind of like led to that? How did that evolve? And and kind of like, how? what is it now? Like, is it more than you thought it would be? Good question. Hmm. <laughs> Very interesting question. Um. Okay, so first of all, how it started, really, Jobs with Shay is just over a year old now. Um. And I and it actually started from essentially at the was it the back end of last year? sorry, back end of 2020, um, my mum had COVID and what I did, and we were kind of helping her at home. So when she went to hospital, I basically wrote a thread on Twitter and I was like, right, there's not really much information out there about like what to do, like, you know. Um, So I was like, right, let me write a thread and just say like how we looked after her at home. And it went completely viral. And then I think a mixture of that and just being in a place where I actually have lots that I want to share. It was just like, right, I know what I want to share. I've just seen in a really like strange you know, somewhere where you wouldn't really think it was going to come from. But I've just really seen a way to like get my message out. That's when I was like, right, okay, I need to start, you know, creating and just getting my my message out there. So I wouldn't say it was like this intentional, like personal brand, you know, I still don't have a website, for example. Um, But like, I think if anybody is kind of like a bit hesitant about creating a personal brand, I think the one thing that I've learned over the past sort of year or so that I've been doing this is that, First, I mean, everybody says this, but first thing is consistency. And then the second thing is if you've got a clear message to send or if you think that it will be valuable for yourself or for your career to be known for a certain thing, absolutely go and do it because, you, you know, it is it is needed. And I think we're at a place where everybody is kind of like, oh, why do I need a personal brand? Should I do it? But actually, you do find the more you grow, there's actually not that many people that are like, 
that are first of all in your space doing what you need to do and also like your voice is so unique and it, it is really really needed so yeah that's but that's for people that are considering it um it's weird like I, I sort of like squinted when you said personal brand in the first place because I'm just like I do understand it's a person like I do have a personal brand and I do tell job seekers to build their personal brand but I think the reason it, it shouldn't really be a clash but the reason that I'm like that's interesting it's just because it's just me being authentic I have the same conversations over Twitter and I give the same advice that I would give to my friends and I would give you know and the, the people that know me really really closely so that's yeah that, that's where that came from and that's like the advice I would give around personal branding and were you even like were you a heavy social media user before that not not really no, like, I, I mean, I have my, like, I have Twitter. I've used Twitter for years. I've I've got, like, Instagram and stuff. And obviously, I have, like, LinkedIn. Like, I, you know, I think LinkedIn is literally amazing. But, like, not in, not, like, as a content creator. I think that's something that happens to people. It's, like, they use it to read, which is great. But there's this kind of intimidation around um, just getting going, you yeah. know, posting oh, something and nobody liking it. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, boy, did anyone hear it? And it's like, great, I can put out stupid stuff and like no one, I can practice and no one's going to click it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Like I, like when I first started, like now the community that I have, like all together, I think is about 40,000 people in this community, right? Over, over a year. But when I first started, I was, I was tweeting 20 to 30 times a day and absolutely no one was there. Like I was, I was just literally tweeting and just like, just I just had to keep going and keep going and keep going like it's I understand the fear and I speak to this uh, I speak about this with my close friends now and um, some some of them want to like start creating content and I'm literally like the, the hardest part is starting once you do that for that first like you know once you have to take that first step and just keep consistent like after a while you'll literally just be flying and you'll, you'll wonder why it took you so long to start in the first place and that from from you know reading a lot of your content it doesn't just feel like you're putting content out. It's like you really, you enjoy it. Like you like it, like your threads have like a comfort in them. Oh. You, you wrote a book, you put yeah. it on Gumroad. I would imagine you had never done that before. Yeah. And so I also just, it doesn't feel like you're scared or, or there's no fear of failing. At least it doesn't feel like that. From oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's nice to hear. I think, do you know what? I would say you're, you're absolutely right, <laughs> to be honest, because I think what really, really matters to me is the results. Um, so even before like the, my page grew like massively, people were saying to me, oh my goodness, wow. Like I remember like when I had like 300 followers, like people would be like, this is amazing. One of my, someone that I really, really admire, he owns a brand called Love Circular. He actually said to me, he was like, and this was like when I literally had like 300 followers, he goes, um, like if I if I had to invest in like Twitter accounts, like the same way you do with stocks, he was like, I would invest money in yours. And like literally, and after after my account like blew up, he was like, oh, I told you so. And I think it's just that it's like, I was exactly the same when I had like 200 followers and literally you'll see the same content now because I think with everything that I try to share, and I think this is important for anyone that's also trying to build, it's like, I, I get it's sharing a lot for free, but also like I want everyone to go away feeling like, okay, this is authentic. She really means this. And this is actually actionable. Like it's not, sometimes I will tweet about like mindset and stuff, which I also think is very important, but actually I want you to be able to go away and go, okay, this is what Shay thinks I should do. Let me, you know, get to action and, and get going. Yeah. I think another thing is, 
not being short-sighted, which I think throughout this conversation, I feel like whether you would give yourself credit for being deliberate about that or not, is that you're not playing the short game, right? A lot of people might be like, why would you put all this stuff out there for free? You could charge for it. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's not the game you're playing. No. You're playing one around like brand, maybe not even thinking about that term, but you know, but brands last a while. Yeah. They're, they're these things that are lasting that uh, can become like an annuity, an asset. And, and it feels like that's what you're building and the way you think about your skills, like right? those early sales skills, you weren't, you know, hung up on the fact that you were selling cell phones or, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you were getting an opportunity to build skills that, you know, you're leveraging today. So what advice would you have now that I'm sort of highlighting it out for you as something explicit that you're doing that you may not feel comfortable with the credit for, but <laughs> yeah. now let's flip that and say, how, how do you think about kind of the, these assets or these investments that you're making and it's compounding effect on your career? To be honest, in my day to day, and I was actually talking about this with my best friend and we were just talking about how, for example, let's say like one person can work at a company for two years and, you know, kind of just take a backseat and not really do much um, and just kind of float, right? And then another person can, can, you know, have that same two years, but really put their all in and actually learn loads and, you know, and I think it's what you were talking about before, like sort of viewing your career as yours and like you, you kind of own it, right? Um, I always want to be that second person because I don't view my career as like time I'm giving to this company and like, oh God, I'm working a job. I view it as like an opportunity. This sounds so cringe <laughs> as I'm saying it, but an opportunity for me to learn. So then actually I'm able to demand a higher salary where, where I go next, or I'm able to say, look, I have this experience and this is what I achieved. Because I always speak about like achievements and things like that with job seekers, but actually you have to do the work in order to have those. So it is, it is, literally that and it's it's the same thing with the jobs with Shea stuff and all the content I create I do it because I want to see results and you're absolutely right I do give a lot of stuff away for free but actually those who sort of I, I have a few ebooks now and those who kind of connect with me on that level and, and become part of my paid programs actually they just get the results faster and it's just kind and they they still do trust me because it's like if I give all of this stuff away for free you just get that much more when you, you know when you when you go for like the the sort of quicker results so yeah i just anything that's kind of attached to me i always want it to be valuable that's that's kind of my motivation and the reason i suppose in that i, I think you're completely right i will not take credit but i think just as a default from that it does end up that i you know i'm i'm building this I don't want to say legacy, but I'm, I'm building this environment where I am thinking about tomorrow or tomorrow is thought about just by the way I, I kind of behave. Um, but yeah, don't, I don't want to take too much credit for that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Sign me up as that same person who would invest in an account. I'm a little late to the game. You did it when you had 300 <laughs> followers. You have 40,000 now. Um, so you get a better price than me. Um, but I'm a huge fan uh, Shay, thank you so, so much. Thank Where can you. people follow along with all the incredible things you're doing? We'll link to these in the show notes, but I want to make sure people hear them from you. How, how can they get more of these incredible insights? 
basically where I spend most of my time is Twitter. So that's um, Jobs with Shay. I also have Instagram, which I'm trying to be a bit more active on now. Um, so that's also, yeah, also Jobs with Shay. Anyone can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Shay Loco. Loco is my real last name. Um, and yeah, I absolutely like, I'm happy to share with you like my resources. I can give you a discount code like for, for anybody who's listening just for some of my my resources and ebooks and things like that um more than happy to awesome so that'll all be in the show notes wherever you're listening or watching the show uh shay thank you so so much like i said i i'm you know i, I dm'd you a while ago i was like oh, shay didn't want to talk to me and eventually you checked your dms and you responded <laughs> so, and i'm so happy i I'm got terrible. to talk to you uh, no look there's a lot i'm sure you get tons that's you know that's one of the tricky things about putting out a lot of help is that a lot of people then start to ask for it and you know yeah. and we feel obligated to do it so um totally understand but thank you so much for having this conversation with me i hope it's the first of many yeah absolutely absolutely will be this has been a wonderful conversation it got me thinking a lot so thank you so much for for having me here and that's it for this episode of nonlinear if you enjoyed today's conversation make sure to subscribe share and rate us wherever you're listening to the show you can learn more about teal on our website tealhq.com that's teal like the color t-e-a-l-h-q.com or follow us on social media at teal underscore hq Thank you so much for joining us and please tune back in to keep hearing about how we make the decisions that shape our career. The Teal Career Paths podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with senior producer Matthew Jones and editor and associate producer Drew McPowell. You can find more information on them at rainbowcreative.co. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.